Welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and this movie made me a little jealous that Dean can play the piano and I can't. Wow. Thank you, Hendo. Yeah. So you, get, you get one. Let's remember this moment. You jealous of me. It is a rare sight, but, you know, warranted. And I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I'm too depressed after watching this film to even attempt to come up with something remotely humorous. And like Dean said today, we are breaking down the 2002 rather depressing war film, The Pianist. Yes, we are. But Cheer up a little bit, mate. How you going? <laughs> Good. How are you? Yeah. How's your, how's your week been? Let me guess. You mowed the lawn. In this weather? Are you insane? Actually, for those of you that are... Don't know, which will be most of you. It is so cold where we are at the moment, it's not funny. I'm I'll, sure the people in the snow listening right now are going, what are you talking about? Yeah, our uh, national sport, the old AFL, the footy, for the first time ever, it snowed in a game of footy. Mm, I heard that. It was played in Canberra, but still, it snowed in a footy match. It was incredible to watch. Yeah, you love it. The coach was out there in shorts and T-shirt. I heard that too. Actually, I think before they went out and played, the players were getting a bit soft about how cold it was, so he took his shirt off and ran around the ground. Yeah, telling them to harden the hell up. Well, seeing that decent rig will uh, go a long way to get them there. <laughs> God. I actually have an interesting story for a change. <laughs> Do you remember a little while ago how I told you that my license plate got taken off my car, like yeah. stolen? Yes. Well, Did we- they return it? No, they didn't return it. <laughs> We, we, we just borrowed it a little. <laughs> we got our new license plate for my car and then cut to a week ago where we get this uh, this fine, right? Because there's a, a tollway near our place where I travel on every once in a while. But because this new license plate is not registered on our account. And I don't know this. I can't remember this. So I get I get a fine because my car is not registered for this tollway now. So I'm like, oh, all right, I've got this fine. Great. I'll, uh, I'll call up and see what's going on with it. So your new license plate? Yes. I thought you were going to say the old the people who stole nah, it used nah, it. No, nah, no, nah. Okay. That's my new one. So I'm like, all right, great. great. I'm Compl- still waiting for some element of interest here. Right. So I call up the, 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 the fine place. I'm like, all right, I've got this fine. Well, what's my options? And so she goes, all right, uh, so your fines that you have on here total, and she spouts off a number that is like six times the amount of the the number that's on my paper I've got in front of me. I'm like, uh, no. Wow, that's crazy. Was it, was it accurate? Oh, obviously, you're going to get to this. Yeah, so I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. I've got this new fine here for this amount. She's like, no, um, we have this fine. Uh, we have this uh, enforcement officer that's looking for you. <laughs> from three, four years ago. Oh, what? Because there was some local government vote thing that I didn't do, and we moved house like the day the mail came. So oh, I never, for real? I never got the fine, and it never got to me, and it just built up over three years to the point where it's like, increase in fine, increase in fine. Warrant. Enforcement officer. We have a warrant for your arrest. All that nonsense. I'm you like, had a warrant for your arrest? We had a warrant for the enforcement officer to come and basically, what she said, do what he wants. Nice. No. All your dreams come true. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, no, this is ridiculous. Like, You don't need to get no enforcement officer involved here. So we sorted out our, our plans that we're going to do, and it was just a little- uh, Hold on. What are your plans? Are you going to pay it? Yeah, I'm paying it. What? Oh, like, no. I got, I, got no, I got no leg to stand on with this. Uh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. I did not see it going that way. What do you think was going to happen? I thought you were going to say like- I got a fine, I paid The it, new license good. plate that they gave me- Got stolen had again. Been, had been previously used by someone <laughs> who had racked up all these fines. I was going to be like, oh, damn Vic Rhodes. No, no, that's not what happened. So you had all these fines and they're legitimately for you and you're going to pay them. <laughs> Suck shit. I know. That is terrible. I'm wondering like, could you imagine if I never found out about this? Like, because they wouldn't- 
wouldn't be able to to get yeah, it. To you me. get stopped by a random breatho, and it's like uh, you step out of the car, yeah, like, <laughs> shove you up against the car, head spread on, on it. <laughs> I only had one cider, officer. <laughs> I promise. All right, enough about me, mate. What did you get up to this week? Well, uh, I worked a whole lot and we actually had a conference in the city. So we all headed up there for a few days of meetings and had a pretty decent night out there, which was a lot of fun. Got a bit got a bit drunk on the old free piss. So, yes. I, mean, I mean, it's free piss. I mean, it's free piss. Yeah. It is. How can you not? It's a great thing, the old free piss. <laughs> but no, it was it was really good. So yeah, something different. Ah, no, good stuff. What are we doing today, Hendo? Well, after our breakdown of the pianist, we're going to take a look at the reviews that the listeners have given to us, and then we're going to do our competition, which is what is your favourite Adrian Brody film? What do you think of that one, Dean? I think it's a pretty pathetic list of films our man Adrian Brody is uh, has done. Yeah, it's uh, he's got uh, a very you know small tier level of noticeable films, and then it drops off very very quickly. But as usual, that is our top five, and then after that, we'll take a look at the results of the grand final in our best nineteen eighties film tournament. Yeah, nice. It's going to be huge. We've got The Empire Strikes Back up against Raiders of the Lost Ark. So seriously, big films, very popular, going up against each other. It'll be very interesting to see which one comes out on top. And then after that, we'll take a look at the results of our Pod v Pod 25 movie draft against Daniel from the Aussie Nerds podcast. And then after that, we'll take a look at what we're going to be watching next fortnight, which is my pick this time. And I'll give you a little hint. It's not as depressing as The Pianist. So it's not Schindler's List. No. Ooh, that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> Got to show in your hand a bit early there, Hendo. Oh, just a little tease. Give me the update. All right, Hendo, what's going on in the IMDb top 250 list? I hear there's not a lot of movement. I don't know where you're getting your facts from. I've got a lot of movement. <laughs> I felt it move, Jerry. I don't even know where to start with this. There is a lot. There's a lot of movements. Just give us the main ones. Don't let's give look at us... the big. Let's look at the big changes. Casablanca's gone down 10 spots to 46. That's huge. The Lion King's gone up nine spots to 35. What? What is going on? Those those changes that high. The, I mean, for, the foreign film like Stars on Earth have gone up 10 spots to 79. Citizen Kane's dropped nine spots to 83. North by Northwest down nine spots to 87. Double Indemnity down 10 spots to 104. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has dropped down to 114 after its first couple of weeks in the list. Very big drop-off there. More big drop-offs or drop-ups, I guess. Ikaru up 10 spots to 116. All About Eve down 11 spots to 127. I'm not even mentioning the ones that are up five and six spots. There's tons of them. The foreign film Come and See is up 21 spots to 146. The Bridge on the River Kwai down nine spots to 151. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington down 17 spots to 170. (laughs) Toy Story 4 down 17 spots as well, 177. That makes sense. The foreign film The Bandon is up 27 spots to 181. Maybe they've changed their formula a bit. Maybe. I'm still seeing like tons of other movies that are- Is the top 10 still the same? Yeah. Top 10 hasn't changed. Top 20 hasn't changed. But let's take a look at some films that are now out of the list. I'm talking Donnie Darko. Really? The Wizard of Oz. What? That's the two that we've done. Jaws is out of the list. <laughs> Suck it, Jaws <laughs> lovers. It is, a, it is a bad, bad day. That's awesome. 
Beauty and the Beast, the original, is out. Dog Day Afternoon is out. It's nothing unusual. I'm just shocked at all these changes in the list now. Gangs of Wasapa is back in. Once Upon a Time in India is back in. And a whole bunch of other films I can't even pronounce. But I'm telling you, this is the biggest change in the top 250 we've had in well over a year. All right, before we get into The Pianist, please be aware we will be spoiling it from the get-go. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, beware, we will be spoiling it. And with that being said, let's get into The Pianist. By order of the governor of the Warsaw district, there will be created a Jewish district in which all Jews will have to reside. You must get away at once. I'm not leaving. Can't I take my chances here? I'm going to have to keep moving here. The Germans are hunting down indiscriminately now. Keep as quiet as possible. No one knows you're here. I want to help. I want to do something. Don't let them get you alive. So, The Pianist, released in 2002, starring Adrian Brody. I'm going to leave it at that. Everyone else is... Is, is not has not is not American. Is that what you're trying to say? Has Hendo? not made another movie that is worth note. I know it's quite funny going through all the. I went through a lot. Mm-hmm. All of them number one film known for pianist. Yeah, number two film. I have no idea what that is. Never heard of it. Yeah, with a screenplay by Ronald Harwood, based off the book by. Vladik Spielman, with music by Wojciech Kilar, whose most notable films, aside from this, is Bram Stoker's Dracula and The Truman Show. Some uh, hit and miss films there. With cinematography by Pal Edelman. Jesus Christ, Pal. Okay. Callback? No? Yeah, Nothing? kind of. Kind of. Directed by Roman Polanski. Ah, yes. Do you want to talk about Roman Polanski quickly? Do you? Sure. Because I, 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 I knew that he was, um, he had some accusation against him in regards to something to do with an underage girl. Did you, do you know about all this? Not in, not in detail. Well, I read up on it because I was doing my research and obviously I went down the Polanski, you know, Wikipedia wormhole. Yeah, I mean, if you're the one choosing the pianist, you got to be checking out Roman Polanski's Wikipedia. Yeah, so he... And this, like, they've both said, yes, this happened. So this isn't like one has said it and the others denied it. When he was 43, he had a 13-year-old girl at Jack Nicholson and Angelica Houston's house. And they weren't there. And he, you know, had sexual relations with this person. Consented or not? Uh he drugged her oh, with so not qua- consented quaaludes, the lewds, and we're talking like sodomy. Oh God! Like, and she like you hear like I read stuff that she said it recently. Like, yeah, he's paid for his crimes. Like, she's not. She doesn't even seem overly angry. Like publicly, I'm obviously I'm not sure what she's mm. gone through in her life, but and he's just like, well, you know, we all want to do little girls. Whoa. That that's. That's his reaction. Yeah, no, seriously. He's just like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's really, it doesn't seem like any remorse. He was was facing the American judicial system and he thought he would have no jail time at all. And it turned out that he got word that uh, you would need to serve some jail time and he fled to France where he's a citizen and there's no extradition of a French citizen. I cannot believe after all of this, and this is all very public knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? He stayed in the Academy. Yep. Right? One he best director. Won this film. Best director. Do you know who accepted his award? Harrison Ford. Who then flew it over to him and they held a party for him where he was. I don't understand. I just I don't. But then in light of this whole Me Too movement when that got all popular, the Academy bans him in 2018. Like get fucked. This should have been this if you cared at all, he would never have been in there after this came out. Yep. That is like that isn't even like a oh this recent things come out mm-hmm. where you know we um you know very much aware of you know these women being mystery. He f- 
fuck? He was 43. Crazy. Man, Absolutely I, crazy. I don't even want to talk about Now, let's him. let's now let's separate separate the art from the artist. We've done our bit on Polanski. He's a piece of shit. Yep, genuine fuckwit. Yep. Um but he can certainly make a good movie, can't he? Segway. You sound like the Academy. Seg. Oh, get fucked. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, like, they should not give this man awards. I'm sorry, but they shouldn't. All right, let's let's uh, let's continue on with the trivia for the movie, which does relate to Roman Polanski. So, it won three Academy Awards. As we mentioned, directing, obviously acting for Adrian Brody, who was the youngest ever winner at 29. He was also the first and only actor to win the Best Act Oscar by beating four other prior Oscar winners. Do you know who they were? Yes, I do. Nicolas Cage, Daniel Day-Lewis, Jack Nicholson, and Michael Caine. What a feat. What a... What a field to beat. Do you think he should have won that? You got Nicolas Cage for, for Adaptation, oh. Daniel Day-Lewis for Gangs of New York, mm. Michael Caine for A Quiet American. I haven't seen that. Have you seen that? No. And Jack Nicholson for About Schmidt. Yes, I do. Do you? Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. All of these other actors have a much better filmography. Mm-hmm. I would consider much better actors in general. Yes. But this performance is better than those actors' performances that year. And like I mentioned, Roman Polanski did win Best Director. He beat out Martin Scorsese for Gangs of New York, Pedro Almodovar for Talk to Her, Rob Marshall for Chicago, and Stephen Doldry for The Hours. Weak field. Definitely a weak field. A weak year, actually, because this was nominated for Best Picture. Lost to Chicago, which is a very, very poor Best Picture winner. Well, hang on. Let me uh, take it back to when we drafted films that should have won Best Picture. And how did it lose against Chicago? Chicago's really, really good. The Pianist is better. The Pianist should have won that year. Pianist is just like every other war film. Chicago actually, it really tried for something different and it nailed it. Have you seen Chicago recently? Are we going to be talking about Chicago on this journey? Is it on the top 250? No. Are we going to talk about the Pianist on this journey? Hmm, yes, we are. We'll see. Now, I put it to you, you didn't even see the goddamn film at that point. <laughs> well, like, you got to say what you need to say to make sure that, uh, you know, to make sure that, that I win whatever we were doing at that time. And finally, Ronald Harwood did win the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. Yes, it beat out Adaptation, which is, that's a feat. I love the screenplay for Adaptation. I would say Adaptation is a better screenplay. Yes. Also, The Hours, About a Boy, and Chicago. Yeah, I think I think Adaptation should have won that. But like you said, it was nominated for Best Picture and lost to Chicago, as well as The Hours, The Two Towers, and Gangs of New York. It also lost film editing to Chicago. It lost costume design to Chicago. And it lost cinematography to Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition. There's a film I haven't heard of in a while. Uh... I, yeah, I'd have to watch that again to comment on that. But I think, honestly, hearing all those, seriously, a weak year in film. Yeah, it is. It really is. But we talk about we talk about Adrian Brody being the youngest ever Best Actor winner. Roman Polanski was actually the oldest winning Best Director at the time. Winner, yes, at the time he was sixty nine. Yes, got uh got that mantle taken off of him by Clint Eastwood. Won it at seventy four. Yes, what a trooper. Thank you, Eastwood. So this film is based on the memoirs of Vladek Spielman. Roman Polanski tried to make the film as faithful of an adaptation as possible, with additional inspiration coming from events that happened to him while he was a boy during the war. His parents were sent to two different concentration camps, his father to Mauthausen-Gusen in Austria, where he survived the war, and his mother to Auschwitz, where she was murdered. You did mention Schindler's List before. Steven Spielberg actually wanted Roman Polanski to direct Schindler's List back then, but he found the subject matter too harrowing at the time. Who did, Polanski? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Well, he certainly evolved, didn't he? You can comment on Polanski. It's okay. But I don't want to. Oh, I mean, okay. He evolved. Yeah, no, it is interesting how faithful this film is to the source. There is one main notable difference, which we'll get to when we um, come to it in the film, but a lot of the small little things that were changed were actually because Polanski experienced them himself. So I actually find this film, from everything I've read, to be extremely faithful, mm. which is really nice. Like, it's nice yeah. knowing, watching it and thinking about it, that there isn't just... I mean, I don't know, it's hard. Like, some movies just sort of like, you know what, I'm glad they changed it because for a film it fits a lot better. This film, it's such an important event. I like that what you see, it's not sensationalised. There's no, you know, there's no element of, of something. Like, they don't need to make No, stuff they don't. Up. This the real is, story this is, is what, happened, what it needs to be. And, and it needs it to be told. Yeah. yeah. So this film was the first ever to receive the Best Film Award at France's National Film Award without ever having a single French word spoken in it. Makes sense. It does. We talk about casting choices. Roman Polanski actually wanted Joseph Fiennes to play the lead role. Ugh. Yeah, but he had committed to theatre work at the but time. But he realised that Joseph Fiennes can't actually act. <laughs> so they ended up auditioning over 1,400 actors. And after all of them were very unsatisfactory to Polanski, he sought out... Adrian Brody. Yes, Adrian Brody, who is an American, born in New York, who I thought, gee, that's amazing. You got yes. this true blue American. How is he How is he doing this perfect portrayal of this Polish guy? Well, it's because his mother is Jewish-Hungarian and his father is Jewish-Polish. So he's, even though he is, like, born American, mm. he does have super strong ties to, you know, the Jewish religion and, you know, Polish, Europe, Hungary. It's all there. Really, really good. You can see Brody's sort of a method actor here as well. He lost 14 kilos, or 31 pounds for you Americans, uh, by eating a daily diet of two boiled eggs, green tea for breakfast, a little chicken for lunch, and a small piece of fish or chicken with steamed veggies for dinner over a six-week period. His initial weight was 73 kilos, or 161 pounds there. Which, honestly, is a very low base. Mm. It's not like... It's not like he was heavy set and he lost 13 kilos. He's really tall as well. He dropped to 59 kilos that, or 130 pounds. That is so thin. Yes, it is. And you can really, obviously you can really tell in this film. I mean, it's no stupid bloody Christian Bale and the no. machinist, but he really does commit to this role. He does indeed. Keeping with the method acting, in order to connect with the feeling of loss required to play this role, Adrian Brody got rid of his apartment, he sold his car, and he didn't watch any television. He kept it very minimal. No TV. No TV. That's like torture. Especially in 2002. Nothing else to do. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, today it'd be no phone, obviously. Yeah, no Wi-Fi. Mm. So, Vladik Spielman's autobiographical account of his life in the Warsaw Ghetto during the war under the Nazi regime was published shortly after the war had ended. But it wasn't allowed to be. It was bloody suppressed by the Russians. That's right. Because it didn't fit and conform to their version of what happened. That's right. So, That's crazy. Well, they were still they were still taking a stranglehold on this. Yeah, I, I know, but it took it took years and years for this to come out, and I'm so glad it did. Yeah, we wouldn't have had this movie if it uh, if it didn't. Yeah, it's it's a great story. So production of the film was actually stopped and delayed for a day following the death of associate producer Rainer Shapir. So and they they dedicated the film to him as well. Nice touch. But with a runtime of 150 minutes. It's quite long. Very long. This, very, very long. This premiered at the Cannes Film Festival on the 24th of May 2002. It then premiered in Poland on the 6th of September in 2002 and had a limited release on the 25th of December in 2002. So it could qualify for those Oscars. Its wide release was actually 28th of March in 2003. Yeah, very late. Yes. And with a budget of $35 million, roughly, it grossed $32 million in America for 80th for the year and worldwide grossed $120 million for 38th for the year. Okay, so obviously not a wild success. No. 
which is a shame. Yeah, well, 2002, that's the 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 two towers, Harry Potter's coming in now. This is this is where the the cinema's going. Yeah, no, fair point. It's definitely um I mean, it's, it's this movie is not for everyone. No. Isn't it? Although, I hate putting you on the spot cuz you always give me the dirty look, but was Schindler's List a big hit? I feel like it was. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Mm. But as always, let's take a look at the history of the pianist in the top 250 list. This did debut after its release on the 12th of January in 2003 and has never left the list since. Its highest peak was number 29. It did make a little dip down to about 63 at about mid-2005, but since then spiked back up and has been on a very gentle straight line where it sits now at number 37 with an 8.5 over 652,000 votes. Super consistent. Absolutely. Now, Dean, it's your pick. It's your plot summary. Okay. In this adaptation of the autobiography The Pianist, the extraordinary true story of one man's survival in Warsaw, 1939 to 1945, Vladislaw Spielmann, Adrian Brody, a Polish-Jewish radio station pianist, sees Warsaw change gradually as World War II begins. Spielmann is forced into Warsaw ghetto, but is later separated from his family during Operation Reinhard. From this time until the concentration camp prisoners are released, Spielmann hides in various locations among the ruins of Warsaw. All right, you've heard our breakdown. Thank you very much. Woo! Bit of a longer oh, one. A summary, I, I didn't get the I didn't get the IMDB one little sentence there. I went I went for a little bit more you there. You went for the synopsis, not the summary. Yes. Spielmann. I need to get used to saying that. Vladek Spielmann. Vladek Spielmann. Oh wow. What? That was bad. That sounded like you spat in the middle of that. Spielmann. 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 Vladek Spielmann. Spielmann. No, it's Spielmann. Spielmann. In your notes, did you write Vladek or Spielmann? I wrote Vladek. No, you did not. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Oh, I've written Spielmann. <laughs> you can change it to Vladek if you're not. I'm not changing to Vladek. Spielmann is I'm what is I'm all about is. the Vladek. No, no, definitely not. All right, Dan, let's get into it, mate. Warsaw, 1939. And we get, like, footage of actual Warsaw in 1939. One of the rare shots in this film that doesn't have Adrian Brody's Vladek in this film. I believe there's two. I think it's this. Yeah, that scene at the concentration camp at the end with uh, El Capitan. Yeah, and given this is a story about Vladek, it's, it's, it seems appropriate that every other scene has him in it. Yeah, it's great that Spielmann is in so many of the scenes. <laughs> but we start off, we hear the piano playing and we see some fingers. And they are actually at Adrian Brody's fingers. Yes. So Adrian Brody, he learnt to play piano for this film. In truth, he did learn as a child. It's not like he started off at zero skill level. He had learnt to play piano, obviously not to this level. So he spent weeks and weeks and weeks mastering Chopin and trying to get to the point where you don't need the CGI hands or the, the sneaky cuts. When you see Adrian Brody playing the piano, that is in fact him playing piano. There are a few points when it does cut to close up of hands only. And that is really, really insane points. Insane points, yeah. And that's that's actually done by famous Polish pianist Janusz Olenzak. So, so obviously that guy is a true master of the piano. Like watching that, I know how hard it is to play piano. I was going to say, like, do you like this film even more because it's called The Pianist? No, not even close. I like this film even more because of all the piano playing in it. They could have called it whatever they wanted to, but seeing you don't know, like I don't know, like I know, as I said, I know how hard it is to learn piano, and seeing these masters, oh, this master, his fingers just dance, mm-hmm. and it's I've never. Seen anything like it honestly the piano playing in this film is like virtually impossible like, what, what is what is your 
sta- statue at the moment with, with in regards to piano playing. Statue. Like, your stature, whatever it is. Like how how are you with piano playing now? Have you when's the last time you played? Do you still keep up with it? Uh, I, I don't know you have a piano at home. I do have a piano at home. Um, I don't keep up with it. I can play a, a you know a small number of songs, but you I basically had a little M. I basically, for anyone that knows music and grading and stuff, and for anyone who's interested, I got up to grade six piano when I was about 16, and then I got into like the last year or so of high school where um, I obviously studied a lot more and had a lot less time for piano. I gave it up, and it's something that whilst you still, whilst I still have that base skill, it would take me a long time to get at the level I was at when I was 16. Fair enough. I can play Feral Ace, you know, that's always good. What's that? Yeah, no, that's 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 probably where I'm at now, which is probably like grade two, I think, Feral Ace is. Better than me, grade less than zero. Yeah. Story of my life. All right, what do we got? But as you can see here, with Vladek playing the piano, and the bombs are going off in the background, and they're, they're telling him, we've got to cut, we've got to go. He's like, no, I want to keep playing. You can see just his sheer passion playing the piano and music this is this is him this is his life he doesn't even care that the players are getting blown to bits he wants to continue playing this song well i think it's important and it's not a song it's a piece i think it's important God, that we're gonna do this i think it's important that we see that that spielman values his art very very much so so it's it's almost a defiant thing whereby yeah they're getting bombed but I'm going to stay here and play for as long as I possibly can. And even after this little scene where he does eventually have to go down the stairs and he sees this blonde girl. Dorota. Dorota, thank you. Yurik's sister. Apparently Yurik is his mate. Thank you. It's as if the building is not being bombed at all. No, it's like a she, casual conversation. She is very ad, ad, admirable. Admirable? She, she admires, admires him. She admires him very, very much. And he's very receptive to this attention. Yeah, it's very much that even in this vo- environment, life finds a way. Thanks, Jurassic Park. Did, did you not pick up what that was from? I had. To, you didn't even give me a chance to think what it was. You just you got to it. So, all right, another movie reference. Yeah. So now we're at the family packing up their stuff, and I did like. Obviously, I've seen this film before. I don't remember much of it. No, me neither. But I did like that. It really focuses on man. What do we take here? And they're showing like they've got this medium-sized frame. Like, gee, we probably need to take this portrait. And I'm just thinking, no. I'm just like, you guys have no idea. Yeah. The hell that is about to occur to you guys. This, all of this stuff, none of it matters. It really, the show, this movie really highlights just like the confusion that all the Jews had during this time, like pushing up to when they get on the train. They have no idea. All of them are still, they're confused. Like, oh, we're going to this place. We're going to be fine. It's all good. They just, they confuse the hell out of them this whole time. The Germans did. Yes. Yeah. No, they did. I mean, they were experts at it. But like you look at this family and I would say they're not wealthy, but they're not, they're not hard done by. Oh, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. So, but they're talking about, I think it's on the um, in the paper that all able-bodied men must set up a new line of defense against Russia or in Russia, something Russia. And Spielman says, "Look, look, I'm going to die. I prefer to die in my own home. Thank God." Which is kind of remarkable that he's basically able to stay not in his own home but in his in his environment. Like yeah. he stays in Warsaw the entire time. Yep, which is pretty incredible. It is. It absolutely is. But they do hear on the radio that oh, I believe the British government. Yeah, the British are coming to help. They're going to wage war on Germany, and so Poland is not alone. And they're like, okay, we we can calm down. And this is what this movie does. It says a lot of times here that you're going to be fine. We're, we're get, the war's going to be over soon. We're going to be fine. 
line and then it fades to black and then it fades to some time has passed and it is not okay. No. Many, many times it happens in this film. Yeah, this this joyous time for the family here really took me off guard. This is, I the, was like, this is the only They're just like, point. oh, yay, um, they've declared war. And I was like, this is like, I know, I know that someone has declared war against a person or the people that are hurting them, but war is like- War is war. <laughs> war is war. So, and the father is very optimistic, this father. Mm-hmm. I like this character of the father. All will be well, he says. Yep. I didn't remember if any of the family died prior to them actually dying. So, I was definitely had my guard up throughout this film. Mm. Like, oh, is this, like, is one of the family members just going to get pulled aside and shot here? I, was, I really didn't remember. Mm. But this, this sort of first act showing time passing and the levels of restrictions on mm-hmm. the Jews. The scene where they had to hide the extra money when they had that discussion of where they're going to put it. Well, the brother. Henrik, Henrik. Uh, just, just put it underneath the newspaper. That's he's the a, most obvious spot, and they'll never see it. Like, he's what are a dick. You talking about, he is a legitimate dick. This guy, yeah, he, very proud, yeah. but detrimental to the you know the the safety of definitely him, mm-hmm. and obviously to the family as well. He wants to leave stuff they're not allowed to have on the table inside. Yeah, it's craziness. But now I was about to say Spielman, <laughs> Vladek. He's still he's trying to have a normal life. He he wants to go on this date with Dorota. He goes out. He goes out for a stroll. But again, like you said, the restrictions: no Jews allowed in the bar or on, yeah, in Jew- the, at the park. Jews forbidden. Yep. And like the blonde is sorry, Dorota is. She says it's disgraceful. But Spielman already knows. He's like, there's no point arguing. Yeah. Like you don't understand because you're not you're not a Jewish person. Whereas clearly this has really started to. be be really ingrained in their day-to-day lives. And he's just like, we could walk in the park. Oh, no, actually, we can't. There's an official decree, no Jews in the park. Yep, so let's like, just stand here. Let's like just this, stand is, here this is rough. But even in the midst of this, Spielman is is flirting. He's yeah. charming. He wants to live his life. He doesn't want this to affect him. And what this does is it makes us, it gives us this, this soft side to him and it shows us more of, of this man living a normal life. Yeah. This character is the big fabrication of this film. This Dorota character did not exist no. um, in Spielman's book or his life. So I don't have a problem with it though. I think it is no, it's fine. It is nice. But they all get branded, the big cross of David emblem. Very specific measurements. Eight centimeters across and five centimeters high. And if not, you'll be punished severely. Like yeah, they severely. are putting the law down swiftly and efficiently. Yeah, so this is in December of 1939. And I think I think it's not funny, but it's ironic that another level of power and control and humiliation here is that not only are they being branded publicly, but they're making them buy it. Like they're making these people who they have restricted their money actually purchase them themselves. There's not even like, here here you go, you have to put this on. No, not at all. It is your responsibility to brand yourself. Very And like the family, they're obviously upset. They say they won't wear them. And then it cuts this horrible saying. Like I think this is really the first time where I was was like, oh, wow, where the father's walking past and these German soldiers so casually just start yelling like, you, why haven't you greeted us? Yeah. And the father is just like, you know, he stops and he turns around and everyone is afraid. I'm yeah. not sure if you noticed, but there's no. the two women in the background, yeah. they just stop. And, you, and you do see it in a lot of other scenes where something like this is happening and everyone else is just standing there like, what, what, what can we do? Yeah. yeah. They stop and they just walk away. Yeah. And, you know, the guys, the, the father's just, I'm sorry, and just whack in the face. Walk like it's the nothing. And then, yeah, and that's the thing. It's not even like, oh, gee, we've punched him. All right, we've shown him. Let's walk away. They just stand there and they, they're like, no, nah, walk in. You don't deserve the pavement. You're not allowed on the pavement. Walk <sighs> in the gutter. 
So brutal. But they all get told they're getting moved to the, the small district and they all know. Yeah, and this is almost enough. this is almost a year later. Yeah. So we're now October nineteen forty. I love I love the way that time is passing in this film. I'm not sure I've actually noticed this before, but time passes like quickly. Like and they, they tell us, they do tell us, they let us know every time when here's another year gone and you see the extent of change. And I like that. I know we do see their reactions to the initial stuff, but then it cuts to something else and we see this is their life. Yeah. Like they don't they're not arguing about it a year later. Like they're onto some new horror that they have to be subjected to. So it's not just what's happening in the film as well, but the film itself. One thing I didn't notice that I looked up later was that the cinematographer like made the colours blander and bleaker as the movie went along. Yeah. I mean that is that's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It just shows you just how rough and worse and worse it gets in this film. Mm. But they're only down to twenty zlotties now. It's not a lot. Yeah. From their what they have initially, like they had they had five thousand, which yeah. they had to cut down to two thousand. And then this guy comes in to buy the piano. And the family, like this Henrik guy, is he has not cottoned on to what is going on here. They are offering two thousand for this. The maximum they're allowed to carry. Yes. And he's like, No. He's like, I'm doing you a favor. I'm, I'm yeah. actually I'm paying for it to go too. Yeah. Uh yeah, he, they need at that point, they he's the only one that needs to accept that this is what's happening now. Like Vladik's all over it. He's like, take the piano, just give us the money and you can go. But this is where we see everyone moving into the new district on the thirty first of October in nineteen forty. Yeah, and we see we see Spielman walk out of the road and go to speak to Dorota mm-hmm. and say, don't worry, it won't last long. Yeah, and this is what I'm talking about, this hope. There's always this hope. We're, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. It's never fine. Yeah, and then they move into their new residence and- the two-bedroom, the two-room oh, oh, house. Yeah, two-room. Two-room house. You know, and they look outside and they see the bricks starting to pile up. And I really like the music here. Super, super ominous. Really foreboding of they are bricking us into this place. We are not allowed to be a part of normal society. Yeah, you can just see the hope starting to diminish here. And we get this woman who comes back later. Yeah, I thought this was gonna something was gonna happen with this. Like they're leading up to maybe him bumping into this guy, this Isaac Sherman. That was bad. I didn't mind that accent then. But it, it accent pronunciation. That's the same. It's not. Whatever. But I like that it doesn't go anywhere because things like this don't need to be finalized. This, for all we know, and it's pretty like I think it's what has happened. Her husband has died somewhere already, and it's just that casualness now. Where's my husband? Where's my husband? We're never going to see him. It's not going to happen. That's how bleak it is. Even the if you see him, write to me. Yeah, she just she doesn't they know what to do. They don't know who she is. They exactly. don't have an address. She's delusional. Like she's obviously well, suffered a loss. Yeah, yeah, I know. She's got nothing, yeah. and she's just clinging on to this hope. Of getting her husband back, but you see them they're making like no no money whatsoever. They're selling books, I believe. Is that what they were doing? Uh, Scriptures, some, yep. some something like that. What they make like three dollars or something for the day. Three zlotis. Zlotis, yes. You see, like in that shot, the the dead guy on the road with the the daughter, I guess, trying to wake him up. Man, show shots like that, and it's mm. that'll get to you. Yeah, and I do like the way that they're littering in the violence now. Yeah, like from the first hit of the father, and you do start to see dead bodies. Like it's not like it's smash cut to here's a hundred dead bodies in the road. Like it is a gradual progression of what they are living in. But you get the, the German soldiers now, the SS. They make a guy dance. Yeah, they make a bunch of them dance. And it starts like, okay, this is pretty bad. And then when they make the guy with the the crutches dance mm-hmm. and he falls and it's just so awkward for these like these adults. Yeah. These are people. Yeah. And they're just being treated like like dogs. It's really tough to watch. Less than human. But as this is going on, there's still Jewish police. 
that are like, maintaining order that that work for the Germans. Mm. And this guy comes to recruit Vladik and Henrik, mm. and they decline. It's Sakala. Is that his name? Yeah, it's Sakala. The guy who ultimately saves Vladik. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And this is a character, I mean, you say ultimately saves him. A number of people ultimately save him. Um, yes, true. This is Spielman gets a lot of help. Um, As you'd need in this situation. Yeah, it's amazing, though, the number of different people that actually reach out to help him. It's surely a testament to, I guess, how popular his, his you know, piano playing was. Because they know oh, this yeah, They know yeah. this man because of yeah. the Polish radio. Yep. And yeah, it's 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 great to say. But even now, when he's playing the piano at the restaurant, this is where they also know him from. Yeah, this is actually the only time in the entire film that Spielman isn't playing Chopin. Is it? Sorry, I didn't pick up on that one. Yeah. Did you know that, or did you did you find that? No, I didn't know that. I don't what? hear every song go. Oh, that's got to be a Chopin. I thought you were a pianist. I played I played Chopin in the day. Did you? Yeah, of course. It's very um. I'll take your word Very for prolific it. composer, Chopin. He's no Beethoven. I mean, he's up there. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, he is. And Chopin's actually a Polish composer himself, so it makes sense that Chopin actually does feature so heavily. But when did I'm actually very curious on your opinion of this scene because I'm not sure I fully grasped the significance of it. This guy at the table gets Spielmann to stop playing mm-hmm. so they can test the the metal of their coins and then he can play again. And the thing is, these men weren't portrayed as mean or cruel. No. They're very, thank you, apologetic, sorry, and that's the scene. What was what was your takeaway from that scene? To me, I feel like it's just showing that even though they're all in this thing together, there is still the class system in this Jewish structure, but they're not all bad people. Like, you look at the high... There's some people higher up in the class structure here who are genuine assholes still, but then there's other people who are very receptive to the lower class. Mm. What did you think of it? Yeah, I'm not really sure I took what I took out of it, but I think... I think it just does show the level of respect for definitely his art is has dropped in a place like this. But then at the same time, you sort of get the juxtaposition with this very beautiful woman, like admiring him. Like she wants a piece of this Spielman. You know what I'm saying? She wants that Vladic. <laughs> Vladic. Nah, come on. It's the penis. Don't be silly, Hender. <laughs> But we meet his, his his mate. I'm sorry I didn't pick up his name in this, but he does play a very prominent role later on. But we also meet Majerik. Yes. Who also plays a significant role. He does. He's every, in a- every one of these people, Majerik, come back. Majerik's in a lot of scenes. We never see the fate of Majerik, do we? Oh, not that I remember. No, I don't I'm think I'm sure I do. can guess at it. Yeah, probably. What Majerik tells Spielman is that they're basically supplying this you know, anti-Nazi propaganda throughout the ghetto. Yeah. And the way they're doing this is by putting it around the toilets because no German would ever use a Jewish toilet. Because they're too clean. (laughs) It's a good joke. But here's a little, well, one of the many, many sad scenes in this film. I think this is one of the saddest. It is rough. Because we haven't seen anything like this to this point. No. Where you've got Spielmann walking along the wall at night and there's this, this boy, this very young boy, maybe eight yeah. Trying, trying to get under the wall into this little hole, and he's, he's like, he can see he's getting hit from the other side. Spielman's trying to pull him in. He's like, he's saying to the guy on the other side, who's obviously a German, yep. "Stop it, stop it!" Yep. And he finally pulls him out. I forgot that he died. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's unconscious, and then holy shit, he's not waking up. That is, that is so brutal. Yep, and he has to just leave him there and continue, move on. And this is why I appreciate how finding out how true to life this story is. Yeah. Where you have a scene like this 
it means so much more knowing this would have this happened. This actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. But this scene coming up as well, oh, I, it's so rough. They're having dinner and the Germans rock up. Everyone turns all their lights off and they have to watch the Germans go into the building next door, order all the people sitting at their table to stand up because grandpa is in his wheelchair. They literally pick him up and toss him over the balcony. Oh, it gave me shivers. Yeah. It was brutal. Yep. And, of course, they take him out, tell them to run, and execute every single one of them. Holy shit. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just target practice for them. It means nothing to these people. Whatsoever. It's, I mean, they're, you know, they've got to exterminate them. They've got to get these numbers down, and these, you know, spot killings. Yep. Random. Like, random. Like, comp- that's a thing. It's not like these people have done anything wrong. No. They are just, and what it does is it, it means that everyone else there, they see this. They see the dead bodies. Yep. They hear it happening at night. It just enforces, it enforces a fear. It makes them obey and not rebel because of, you know, how close you can be, you are to death. Like, if these people are getting killed at random, what what's going to happen if you... Actually do something yeah, wrong. Exactly. Like, lie to a German soldier about what's in a bag. Like, even even further up, when the woman, this random woman, asks, where are we going? Bang, just gets shot in the head. Yeah. For even asking a question. Yep. But we move on a little bit here and we find out that... Vladik has found out that the Germans have taken Henrik. Yeah, he's playing his... his piano in the restaurant and the sister Helene what yeah I think it's Helene could be Helena I think it's Helene though she tells him and he's just he says you know go home I'll take care of it like he really is a a protective figure of the family because the father's getting a bit on now so when he goes to see this officer Haller who they insulted earlier yes like they kicked him out of he's their like, house yeah, basically well now you want my help no, forget it doesn't have any money to give him yeah. but he does end up helping him yeah but even even before that like he's what while Spielman is talking to him, he is beating another Jew. Yeah. Like, like he he's very close to these the level of behavior of the Germans. Like, he's not killing them, but he doesn't care about beating these other Jewish people. But Vladik mentions to him, like, ev- like everyone talks about how oh, you, uh, you're, you're the one. Spielman's but, very smart here. He's yeah. like, oh, he Place appeals to ego. his ego. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's enough to get Henrik out of there. But before that, you get a, a couple oh, of, like, the, the, the old scene. man dancing and like, getting the cigarette. I thought they were going to shoot him. I thought the Germans were going to have a laugh with him and then shoot him in the face. Yeah, no, and apparently, like, this is obviously true and the Germans would play along with it. Like, this man was clearly a bit off the rails and they found it hilarious. But the scene that got me is where this woman, this old woman, walking through the streets and this man tries to steal her pot of food. It falls on the ground and she's screaming for help. There are people everywhere. Yep. No one will help her. Everyone is out to even Spielman, even our protagonist, our hero is a strong word, but the person who we root for, who we follow, who's the good guy of the film. I mean, there's many, but he doesn't. He doesn't even consider it because it's playing true to the real life Vladimir Spielman. And when you see the desperation of this man, when the the food's fallen on the pavement, and it's not even like solid food. It is like a pot of stew. It looks soup. like it looks like vomit. Like it yeah. looks like he's eating this pot of vomit. And the killer though, what killed me is that the woman's still there crying, just so pathetically trying to hit him. Like, no, why did you do that? And then she takes her pot and walks away. It's so sad. It is. But yeah, nah, Henrik's a bit of a dick, isn't he? Yeah, he's super appreciative of bloody... He's bloody really kid. angry that he just got saved. I didn't need your help. You did. Yeah, you did. But this is where they find out they're going to be sent off to the labor camps because the, the ghetto's closing down. They're, they're moving on to the east. But they're really only going to be dealing with people who have work certificates. So they've got to get the data work certificate. Yeah, and this becomes their mission here. Like, oh, to survive, we need this certificate. And again, they know someone. Majorek? Yes, it is. 
So they see this guy who signs a bit of paper, does the the Nazi stamp, and here you go, and they're just like, oh, thank God. He just laughs. Not going to do you any good. It's, it's nothing. Like, it, it means nothing. And he, really, he knows. And really, it does mean nothing. It doesn't. It's not like it comes back that this is a big thing. It's fun. But we get to the 15th of March in 1942. You see everyone walking over this new bridge that they built. Yeah, they're leaving the district. Yeah. They're in bunks now. And here the father's like, at least we're all together. You That's know, all like, that matters. It, it is. Like you look at they're arguing about a, a portrait, a framed photo from ages ago. Now yeah. they're like, it doesn't matter. We're together. Mm-hmm. And they're right. That is all that matters. And here's another random call out. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the times where why wasn't Spielman killed? You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like he argues, well, he he puts up somewhat of a fight to this German soldier. Like, no, 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 we we don't we don't go. We've got certificates. And it's like, whoa, you're lucky. Yep, you are. And, and then even even here when they when they call out Henrik and Helena, I thought, oh, they're getting killed. Yeah, me too. They're getting shot. Me too. But what what are they doing? They're just getting separated. I. I thought we wouldn't see them again. I was shocked when we saw them come back. But initially, they're the ones that were surviving. Is that right? Because the others get sent to the, the trains, basically. And it's because they decided they wanted to go with them. Mm. So they were going to get saved. Yeah. But we're up to the 16th of August in 1942. You've got all the Jewish people piling into one area. And these this conversations here about, well, there's so many of us. Let's just band together and fight. And on paper, it's a great idea. Let's take them on. But not how are you going to get everyone on board with that? Everyone is so depleted and defeated. Emancipated. And, and, and even the one, one other guy is like, we're just, go, we're just going somewhere else. We're not we're not going to get killed or anything. We're going to another place. And that's the thing. If, if they knew, if they absolutely knew they were going to die, then they would have the, what have we got to lose? Let's do it. But they don't know that. No. They're being told it's it'll be better for you here, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So you hear that story about the woman who had to suffocate her baby to stop her from crying. Oh, that was rough. And even then they still heard the rattle. They yeah. still got caught anyway. Yep. I mean, that's fuck, man. Yeah, but even then you see them buy a really small piece of what what is it that they're eating here? Is it a caramel. Caramel yeah, I thought it would look like a lolly or something. It's a caramel. Yeah. They, 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 they divvy it up what in between. Yeah, yeah. But they say to this kid, like, what are you doing with this money? Yeah. Like bribing the guards? Like, eat it all. What are you doing? But no, they all get this tiny piece, and I love that no one's mocking it, no one's no. down about it. They are appreciative. They all wait until they're all ready to eat together. It's it's this nice little moment for them. And in this environment, they need to hold on to anything that is remotely positive. It is the last moment they have. Mm. Even the conversation that Vladik has with one of his sisters, when he just says, It's a funny time to say this. What? I wish I knew you better. And the response of the sister, which I wasn't expecting. Thank you. Like, genuinely, she's like, thank you. It's like such this. It's very touching. Yeah. Like, these people that live together in a a house all their life, I assume. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, you know, near on 30. I wish I knew you better. Such a, you know, he's reflecting on this could be the end. If this is the end, listen, I I really value you. I wish we were we we were closer, basically. But everyone gets loaded into this train. It is you you know what's you know what's going on here. Luckily, Vladik gets pulled out by the Jewish cop. Hella, yeah, saves his life. Yeah, and he's he's trying to get back in, and Hella's like, "What are you doing? Yeah. I've just saved your life." And what I love here is that instinct kicks in here. So he has been separated from his family. His family are all going. The people who is he has been with. For 
for his entire life and especially over the last few years just surviving with them he realizes here that if he has any chance of survival he needs to leave them he needs to walk away from them you see the dad wave to him like bye like he knows see you later son like you can't imagine how hard that would be for him to do but Mm -hmm. he makes that realization of what is at stake you know like and this this bit where he pretend pretends to carry the tray of bodies to walk past the german guards is great yeah it is and even when he's walking through the the town again he sees just crying yeah the dead bodies everywhere he goes back to his restaurant work and he sees his his mate prior hiding under the the floorboards in there yeah they hide under there and and again this this hope thing when they say like oh we'll stay here for a couple of days and uh they'll 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 come and get us when it's all over and it fades out fades back in and then they're they're walking along and vladik mentions that he hasn't been outside in two years yeah what yeah, like, this is this is insane. Yeah, they're referring to they haven't been out outside of the wall here. Yeah, like they haven't at all. So they get marched out here, you know, by the Germans, and he sees he sees Dorota, or is this the actress? Because I must say, this was super super confusing. Yes, I thought I've got in my notes here that this was Dorota, but then my notes sort of conflict with each other later on when he sees her for the first time, apparently. And she's pregnant? Because there's two blonde women. Yes. There's the actress and there's Dorota. Yes, and I thought the actress was Dorota. I wish... They had one of them be a brunette. All they look the same. Like they, and it's heck- not like it would be um, challenging the history of the story because this character's not real. Yeah, Dorota's fictional. Yeah, so. I got super confused. I didn't even realize it was two different people until later on when he sees Dorota pregnant. He's like, "Oh my god!" Like I haven't seen you yeah. forever. Yeah, and here we get the scene that is incredibly reminiscent of Schindler's List, where a German pulls out about seven or eight guys, walks up to each one, including shoots, his mate, shoots them. Bang, 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 bang. Guess the last guy needs to reload. And the guy's just stuck laying on the pavement yeah. waiting to die. I mean, do you get up and run? What's well, the, yeah, what do you, I mean, what do you what's do? What's the point? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, you're so tired. You've given up. This is I'm it. sure. I'm sure that to some of them, and I'm only imagining, obviously, mm-hmm. death maybe is not the worst thing. Yeah, at this point. You know, it's a release. And you, and what can Vladik do? He just has to oh, stand there. Yeah. The the other the other Jewish people can't do anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's a bit it's a bit sad. He's made who he hid with for all this time and yeah. But this is where he sees Marjorie. Yes. Yes, on the new work site where They're he's talking about Treblinka. What do you know about Treblinka? Nothing. Because I was watching this with Brit and she's like, Oh, Treblinka. And I was like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> she's like, Yeah, no, it was the second biggest concentration camp um after Auschwitz. I was like, Oh really? Wow. She's like, Yeah, oh she's right into this stuff. I was like, Okay. All right then. So there you go. But again, here, Marjorie says, Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna band together, we're gonna fight this. Yeah. So that never happens. No, it doesn't. I mean, it does. Yeah, but in terms of these people in this in this concentration camp here, I mean, it does just later on when Spielman's not a part of it, he hears I mean. about yeah. it. Yeah, but back to Treblinka, they're talking about how train after train was going there and no food, uh, the carts come back empty, no food source ever went there. Yeah. So they're sort of saying like the carriage is going there, like these people were dying, they were yeah. going there to die. But they they do throw out a little number where there's about sixty thousand left out of. Half a million? Yeah, half a million. In the town, so that obviously says a lot. It does. But Spielman here, he offers to help. Like, he wants to fight with them. He's on board with his mm. plan to rebel 
and, you know, stand up to them. But unfortunately, these body planes over the top distract him and he spills all these bricks. Now, again, another he, scene he, where he so should lucky. die. Yep. Yeah. He gets whipped many, many, many times in this very, very aggressive German. Yeah. But. And again, everyone just has to stand there and watch. Yeah. It's very rough. Very lucky. Oh, yeah. I mean, his whole story is just one of luck. Yeah. No, it really is. But, but it, the it, German, the German guy comes out and he's being very nice to everyone. He's saying, oh, you know, we're going to send someone out to town to get uh, three kilos of potatoes, loaves of bread, all this sort of stuff for everyone. So that's a huge opportunity for these people to smuggle in guns. Yes, anything. Yeah, mainly guns, though. Don't you think they would have checked the bags every time they came back? I mean, you think so. It's not like you ever see the German soldiers busy, is it? True. Like, they are monitoring. They are watching the entire time. These are not working. They're just standing there watching. So you think, A, they would have a lot of time, and B, why wouldn't they check them? Now, you see, as they're walking along the fence line, they're throwing food over the fence. I thought, oh, okay. I don't know. I thought it was guns. Okay. that Yeah, that definitely makes more sense. They're throwing it to the other Jews on the other side, because that, what's happen- that what happens later on with yeah. the, the fighting over the two walls. Yeah. Ah, very good. But you see Spielman here in his bed writing down something at night, and he goes over to Majorek, and Majorek, he's not exactly a warm person, is he? No. He's very much silent, nods, yep, okay, fine, go away, sort of mentality. So he wants he wants him to go and find these people to try and help, help him get out of here. So he asks him to find these friends of him from the outside who we haven't heard of before, Janina and Andres. Not Dorota. Yeah, I thought it was Dorota. So, yeah, they're an actor and a singer, I believe, and they obviously know each other through the performing arts side of things yeah. in, in Warsaw. But he gets caught out here. Some grains, is it, in a bag? Yeah, grains. I thought he was going to find a gun. I mean, a gun was in there. I thought he, I, And I thought Vladik was going to have a gun ready for it because I didn't know they were throwing the guns over the fence. I thought he was going to have a gun ready to, to take him out. He's oh. going to get caught here. I've got to kill this guy. Wow. Uh, no, that certainly didn't happen. No. Uh, and again, why, why is he spending? again it's so let's just say it's so lucky i think it really comes down to the german in that particular moment yeah exactly i mean we talk about the germans as being one entity they are individuals mm-hmm. and as we'll see later they, they have- do make a big point to show that not every german is the same yeah but they get stopped in the nightline get whipped by the drunk german yeah <laughs> And he says, you know why I'm beating you? There's New Year's Eve. I'm celebrating. It's like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but Vladik just uh, casually walks out here. I mean, is this too easy? He takes his um, Star of David off, walks out. And everyone, all, the other, all the other Jews are looking at him like, all right, he's doing that. I mean, some of them at least knew. Yeah, true. He just walks out with the other people who are walking out. Yeah, the non-Jewish Polish. Yes, that's right. So Spielman obviously has organised a time and place to see um, Janina here. He follows her into this building and is greeted by her, obviously. Yeah. The husband, Andreas. And- uh, I, honestly, I was quite... Well, for my opinion, I thought this was Dorota and I thought it was the brother, Yurik. The two people that I'd seen at the start of the, of the movie. And so, like I said, when I find out that Dorota is pregnant later on and Yurik's dead, and I'm like, well, who are these people? But you see Schmielman having a bath, enjoying the little things. I'm sure it's the first bath he's had in, what, three years? And probably the last bath he'll have in another three years. Like. Yeah. It's pretty pretty rough, but he gets new clothes here, has a shave. These people are so nice. Yeah. Like, we know if they're discovered, they're dead. Yep. Like, end of story. So They take him to a friend Even, here. Did you notice the burning of the clothes? 
Oh, yeah, I did. St- one little strip at a time yeah. burnt over the stove. Because yeah. what if they put it in the trash and a German finds this tattered shirt? It's like, yeah. hang on, where'd this come from? Mm-hmm. You can't take any risks. But yeah, like I said, they take him to their friend and he's got to stay there overnight, but he's got to hide him in the wall. And just things like this, like, you need to stay here. It's going to be uncomfortable. Like, you're sitting on sitting and laying on bricks. No toilet. No toilet. You need to stay there. Don't move. Don't make a sound. I mean... Because the Germans are hunting indiscriminately. Yes. But... You know, so he gets moved to another apartment and it's near the wall. There's also the part where he gets on the train. Oh, the train. The train is good. When he says, get as close to Germans as you can, I was trying to work out why. And what I think it is, is simply a, it's a confidence thing. If the Germans look up and see this guy sort of hiding in the back, trying to look inconspicuous, they might go, who's this? Whereas if they see someone standing right at the front, holding the rail, well, this guy's not hiding. He's obviously meant to be here. Mm -hmm. Carry on. It was good. But you did mention they go to the new place. You hear the piano playing, and this is like with the bath. This is probably the first time he's heard a piano in God knows how long. And he loves it. Even though they're arguing, he loves it. He's got his ear to the wall, listening intently, just to hear that piano. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I honestly didn't hear that. I didn't take note of the piano playing. Because I, I just thought that he was appreciating like real life, like actual social interactions. I believe the wife is playing the piano and they're having an argument about how the, the husband isn't paying attention to her playing the piano. And all he's doing is standing there, ear against the wall, just listening to the music. Just before we move on from that, I did like the interaction between the guy and Spielman when they actually get into this apartment. And the guy's sort of like, much better on this side of the wall, eh? And then Spielman says, But sometimes I'm still not sure which side of the wall I'm on. And I think what this is saying is basically, he's still a prisoner. Like, his life and home and family as he knows it, they're all gone. Yeah, he's, he's, still, he's still in hiding. He's still a victim of this war, of being a Jew. And even though he's on the, the quote-unquote good side of the wall, yeah, he's still hiding. It was a good line, I thought. But no time to uh, rest because bomb goes off near his place. And this is where we have 19th of April, 1943, where you got the Jews waging war over the brick wall with the Germans. And all he can do is just watch... He can't get involved, can't leave. He just has to watch the carnage of the back and forth here. And yet the Jewish, they they put up a fight, but they are ultimately unsuccessful. The Germans blow holes in the building. You see Jewish yeah, people when that jumping. Tank, when to- that tank comes and the, the turret like starts aiming up, I was like, oh, yeah. shit. That reminded me of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yep. yeah. The sniper sees the turret moving up to his location. But yeah, you see the Jewish people jumping out of the top of the building to their death, on fire. Again, just brutal stuff that happened. Yeah. And now we're at the 16th of May, 1943, and Janina comes, and clearly it's been a while. Spielman's looking like he's, you know, been there a while. He's bearded now, isn't he? He's bearded, yeah. And they talk about the how the Jews did fight back, and Spielman says he should have been out, he should have stayed, he should have fought with them. But then on the same token, he says, oh, what good did it do? And Janina's just like, no, they died with dignity. Like, they did not die for nothing. They are inspiring the Polish. Like, it's really yeah, important. Yeah, you're going to see the uprising soon. Yeah. But yeah, apparently they've been found out, and the the guy who gave him the, the house, I guess, he's going, like, I'm going to go, tells him to go. They found the weapons, yeah. Janina and Andreas are arrested. Yeah. I don't know. He's telling him you need to go too. He's like, I I want to stay. He's like, well. But when they storm the flat, throw yourself out the window. Don't let them get you alive. Yeah, but he wants to stay and he hears a car come. 
Yep. And he's ready. He's got that door open. Yeah. Oh, sorry, he's got that window open. Yeah, he's got the chair there ready to jump yeah. out. But he's but- lucky. He's lucky. And then you see him, he's just like very ca- like very quietly walking around the place. Doesn't want to get found out. And then he goes and smashes a whole bunch of plates. Yeah, I mean, this guy's he's sick now. Like, yes. we've cut to him extremely pale, very thin. He's eating crumbs. And this bit, I didn't, I didn't understand this. Like, is this really how long it's taken for him to try the top shelf of this cupboard here? It's craziness. But <laughs> he reaches up and, as you say, all the plates drop and it's just, like, tense as. Yeah. And then that woman starts banging on the door. Yeah, she doesn't like Jews. No, and he waits for her to go. She waits. He waits for her to turn around and quickly bolts. She chases him no, down no, the stairs. No. We're, we're not out. He waits for oh, her to, yes, okay, to yeah. stop banging. He eventually walks out and she comes out. Hmm. Where's your identification card? And he tries, but no, nah, he runs. Nah. But it's good, though. As soon as he got on the street, he stops running. He walks. Yeah. So that, that was good. Don't want to bring attention to yourself. Just go for the casual stroll. But he has this address for this guy he knows or this guy he's been told to go see. Yeah, And he goes there and it's Dorota. Dorota. This is Dorota now. So she knows Spielman, obviously, from earlier. Her husband is Mikhail, married just over a year. Pregnant. Pregnant. And these these two are very, very nice to him. Absolutely. He stays yeah. the night on the couch, gets all washed up. Even how's, how? I love the line from Spielman. Could I have a piece of bread? You can just really hear the desperation in his voice. Like, this is humiliating. Mm. This is not someone who should be saying this, but he has to. He's desperate. I just think this scene in particular, the desperation is conveyed so well by Adrian Brody here. And he can he can barely open his eyes. He's so exhausted. Yeah. I thought it was a really, really good scene from him. But he gets a place opposite the police station, very much in line with the standing standing at the segregated line. Be right, be front and center. They won't notice you there. They won't look for you across the road from the police station. And what's there? It's a piano. And much like listening to it a while ago, having a bath, I imagine this is the first time he's played a piano in many, many many years play he plays it no he doesn't yes he does no he doesn't he puts his hands on top of the keys and pretends to play it i swear you hear it no you do hear it because you're hearing what he would hear he is told be very quiet in this room you think he sits down and plays a piano he sits down opens it up places his hands above the keys and moves his fingers. And you, I'm not sure how much you notice this. He moves his fingers a lot in this film as though he's playing piano. Even when he's like laying in bed, his fingers will be playing. Yeah, because that's what he cherishes. That's yeah, what he loves but this, the most. This moment is where he's... He's so close to doing it. He's, he's right there. It's right at his fingertips. I can't believe you thought he actually played it. he did. I don't know why. I thought he played it. No, I, I did like this scene. I thought it was quite nice. But two guys come in. Just realise we're fair way through this film yet. Neither of us have got to our favourite scene. I could be the same one. I think it is, to yeah. be honest. All right, well, we'll find out. Um, two guys come in. We got which is mine. <laughs> <laughs> I love Antec. <laughs> um, no, Antec is the new guy looking after him. He says he was a technician at the Warsaw Radio and he knew Spielman. Yeah. Saw him every day, apparently, but Spielman doesn't know him. Understandably, he doesn't remember him. He's been through a lot of shit. Yeah, but bombs are going crazy. The Allies are really going hard on the Germans. Russia's given them hell in Germany, apparently, and yeah. it's, we're told it's the beginning of the end here. Like, this is the start yeah. of the German downfall, which is really good. But you get the fade out, the fade in, and Vladik is looking like death. And the this war is, is obviously not over. This is what you were saying before, I think, where you're saying you get these great um, moments of hope and positivity, mm-hmm. and then it fades to black, because these fades to black are very noticeable. Yes. Fades to black, comes back, and it's a lot worse. 
Yep, and it happens again. He comes back. He's promising. Yet yeah, we're ne- it's nearly over. The war is going to be over soon. And then it cuts to Vladik on his deathbed, basically. Like yeah. he's he's out of it. He's done. Mm, absolutely. And we get two weeks since the last visit. He's got jaundice. Yep, hasn't been. hasn't seen the sun. He's yeah. He's he's looking very rough. Did Dorota mention that they have people pulling money for him? Yeah. Yeah. Did Did you read more about this? No. So that's actually what happened. Like the he was collecting a large sum of money for Spielman around town, and he bailed, changed his name. No one's ever found him since. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This guy uh, totally screwed over Spielman. What a prick. I mean, it's the war. A lot of people were doing terrible things. That is true. This would not be in the top thousand. <laughs> But we hit the 1st of August in 1944, and this is where the, the Jews and the Polish, and all, they rally. They start shooting up some Germans, blowing up the police station. They get some back. Yeah, some nice some nice battle scenes here. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. I, I did like the touch of the rocket launcher from, like, next door to him. Yeah. Doesn't last long, though, because in comes a German tank. Is it a German tank? No, 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 this is what it is. This is a Polish tank thinking this this whole area is full of Germans. So they are blowing up the building, even though he's he's trying to escape. He can't mm. get out the door. Yeah. They blow a big hole in the yeah, wall. Yeah, because he's locked in this yeah. one, which is, is tough. Yeah. Luckily, the big hole in the wall helps him out. Yeah, he's... He goes upstairs. Did you find that decision odd? You know what? I didn't even think about it. I thought, now I realise, obviously, you're not going to walk out the front door. Mm. Surely there's an, a back exit? Like, what are you doing going up? You are getting more and more trapped, are you not? But even, like, as he climbs out on the on the, on the the roof and the guards come in looking for him or looking for someone, they walk away and then he starts getting shot at from across the road. I was like, yeah. Jesus. That's what it's like now. You've got the Polish people trying to attack the Germans. If he's not identified himself, they're going to go for him. And it happens later on in the film as well. Yeah, obviously. But this scene here where he, he walks out onto the street, there's dead people everywhere and he hears them marching and he's so indecisive. He's like, do I go towards the hospital? Do I go towards my building? And he does the right thing. He just drops. Yeah. Plays dead. Did you notice he, he did the whole, like, he had his eyes slightly yes. open, like, so the whites of his eyes were showing? Yeah. It was very... I don't know. If that was me, I wouldn't do that because his eye, eyelids were flickering a bit. If you're dead, you're, there's going to be no <laughs> movement. You could have your eyes closed as a dead, as a body, but still, it did look pretty um harrowing. He does escape, though. Hangs out in an abandoned doctor's office. Is this what this place is? It's a hospital across yeah. the road. Oh, it is the place. Yeah, across the road. But I thought surely a hospital would have more food, mm. maybe some water. I know the water's been turned off, but maybe some water somewhere and blankets. This place has been completely ransacked in like a day. But he drinks, oh, this is gross. He drinks the liquid from the bucket on the floor. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it didn't look it's, good. It's liquid. But he finds he finds some food and he cooks at night. Did you find that odd? He finds yeah, food in the daytime. Let's turn some light on here. And then, yeah, makes a fire at night and cooks. But again, you see the beard getting worse again and here he's sitting there and like you said before he's just pretending to play that piano yeah this is where i noticed it yeah he was doing it when he was laying in the bed on his deathbed before as well oh was he i didn't even see that yeah his his fingers are just like it's just in his nature like it's just ingrained in his system now but again more tragedy more peril the guards they start flaming all the all the stores yeah and this i did like this touch here where he jumps out the back window of the hospital and it's not a far drop at all. No. And he really himself. hurts himself. Yeah, because he's so weak. He's so and, brittle. Yeah. It was good. But he ends up he ends up in a random place here. Yeah, he, took, uh, he took a can of the mini watermelons. Is that what it looked like on the picture? What do yeah, you think it was? They're um, gherkins. <laughs> the picture looked like, like watermelon to me. You mean the big tin? Yeah. 
No, they're gherkins. They're um, Polsky Gyorki or whatever they're called. They're nice. I like those. No, they're not. But before we get to that, I did like the the shot of the buildings decimated behind the hospital when he finally walks out. Like he's walking that street and every building is just a shell, yeah. like holes everywhere, war-torn. It's a really, really great shot. But, but he's uh, he's going, he's trying to open this tin of gherkins and turns around, there's a German guy, a German guard, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. This is my... Excellent! Yep, I figured as much. Excellent! This, the way this tin slowly rolls and the camera stays on the tin and you're like, oh God, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And it slowly pans up to those thick black leather boots. And you're just like, oh no. And... This German, he's so casual, and he's asking him questions. And Spielman is terrified. He's not. Mm. He's not. He's not even replying. And the guy's like, "Do you understand me?" He's like, "Yes." The German's like, "Come." Oh, I was like, "Oh god!" And he sits him down at the piano. Yeah, because yeah, he asks, "What do you do?" He's like, yeah, what yeah. do you do? I play piano. So, and this would keep in line with uh, bad Germans as well. They'd be like, "All right, play." Like thinking, if you can't play, I'll shoot you. Yeah, but. He sits and, I must say, Adrian Brody has fantastic form for playing piano. Really great hand positioning. Like, his hands really do sit like a table above instead of, like, down. And it's yeah. it really is. He, he's got beautiful form. But the German, he walks away. He turns, he turns and he watches. He sits down. And... I mean, just, you, you can imagine that Vladik is not only playing the piano like he hasn't played it in years, but he also would be playing it like it's the last time he's ever going to play it. You'd, you'd think that he he's under the impression he's probably going to get killed here, something like that, and this is going to be the last time he plays, so he's going to go all out playing this for the last time, and it is amazing. I loved every second of it. I mean, I, I know I know you love piano, and for you to hear this as well and watch the technique and even just the... The feeling that the German guard is giving you is like, oh, man, this is this is incredible. Yeah, and as as amazing as a piano and all that is, it what what truly brings it home for me here is the just really incredible dichotomy between the two characters here. Like you've got one who, on appearances, just appears this shell of a man, this man close to death, whereas the other, he's so prim and proper and full of confidence. When in fact, the complete opposite is true. If you think about it, Spielman, despite his appearance. He has this artistic life inside of him. He is full of passion and life. And it's also at the point where the war is ending. The mm. Germans are losing, yeah. about to lose. This Spielmann, if he survives here, will go back to a his life in Poland. Whereas if the, whereas the German, he knows. Yeah, he does. He knows that he is close to being caught or killed yep and life is gonna go to absolute shit for him so despite the appearances of one being so weak and one strong what in fact is true is the exact opposite and it's quite i found that quite touching hosenfeld is the german's name that's the guy hosenfeld but then you get this when he stops are you hiding here jew where like it's very like very short and sharp and then he drives away leaves him there Let's him live. And another little thing that I did read up on, I admit I didn't pick up on it, but the Germans, the way they have sp been speaking to the Jewish people or film is with their term of disrespect. When they say yes, they say do, right? But here, this German, he says see. Okay. Didn't so pick up on that. It's sort of, I mean, I didn't either, but I read it and I thought it was a nice little, like, small piece of little trivia that shows the difference between this guy. But he does come back with a nice big piece of bread and a whole big scoop of jam. I must say, my mouth started. Started watering oh, that at jam that jam. amazing. And it's just like, it was quite amazing, really, because I can walk up and go, 
out of the fridge and eat some jam. But when you see this, like he is that we've only seen him eat potatoes. Vladek's reaction when he oh. gets that finger jam in his mouth, he's like, it's just, it's bliss. It yeah. is so like, believable. Yes, exactly. Adrian Brody just, he makes that work so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> and even, even, I don't know how to thank you. Thank God, not me. Yeah. And then gives him his German coat. Yes, which helps and hinders him. I mean, helps and hinders. It's amazing he did not get killed here. Yep. He was lined up. I don't know. Stormtrooper shooting, I think. <laughs> it was very like, come I on. I know, I know. But this truck goes past playing music. Do you know what the music was playing? It is the Polish national anthem. Correct. To let everyone know that, you know, if you're for Polish, come out, you're safe, all that sort and of he stuff. he does. He comes out, he sees some Polish people, and he's just like, my God. He goes to give him a hug, and what do they do? They freak out. It's he's actually, a German. It's actually kind of funny. It, it was a little bit. When he walks out, and it's like, why the fucking coat? I'm cold. It's like, yeah. Mate, fuck. Don't blame you. Can you imagine if he'd been, like, in real life, no. imagine if he'd been shot dead then. After all that. Just insane. But we get to, as we mentioned before, one of the only scenes without Spielman in it, the concentration camp where it's being emptied and the Germans are, you know, shouting insults. Sorry, the Polish Jewish people are shouting insults at the captured Germans now. Yeah. And he's taken aback because this Hosenfeld guy's there and he's like, you're a musician? He mentions a musician. Yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, you're a musician? Do you know Spielman? And he's just like, he doesn't know how to react. He's like, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, ask him to help me. He's just like, doesn't get his name. No, doesn't. You notice how he yells it out. Yeah, I, I heard it. Like, yeah, and he's like, what? But he's so afraid to say it again with the German, with the Jewish guard right there. He could have said it again, but this guy's right in his face. He, who knows what will happen if he disobeys him once again. Yeah. So he doesn't. And here you got Vladik. He's back at the, the radio station. Yeah. Did you, I mean, you wouldn't have noticed. Did you read that the piece of piano he's playing here by Chopin is the exact piece he's playing in the first scene? No, I didn't know that. Also, when it gets to the point in the first scene where he's bombed and he has to stop, mm. Adrian Brody physically winces when he plays that part in the piano piece. Okay. Nice little touch. It is a nice little touch. But he takes him back to the place where the, the Germans were. Hmm. But it's all gone. Well, apparently, like, they were destroying these places as soon as they could to yeah. try and act like they didn't exist. Fair enough. And it ends up with Vladek playing in a concert. Yep, concert hall, playing piano with an orchestra. Yep, lived in Warsaw until his death in 2000. He's 88 years old. What a story. What a story. We also find out that... Captain Hosenfeld was a German soldier who died in the prisoner of war camps in 1952. Yeah, in Russia. Um, I did a bit of reading on Hosenfeld. Did you read about I this? I did read this. So here is someone that, like, Spielman did eventually track him down in 1951, I believe, so very close to his death. Um, and he lobbied, he tried, he went to the worst people he could to try and get um, Captain Hosenfeld out and... It didn't matter. He died from a rupture of the thoracic aorta, um, and they believe sustained during torture. So if you think about that, 1952, we're talking years and years of torture in Russia. Yeah. Um, and this is horrible. Obviously, he's a captain in the Nazi army. He's a SS, so I'm sure he did some terrible things, but it is it has been proven that he tried to help not just Spielman. Like he a lot of people have said like he helped Spielman because he heard the art in the piano and all this sort of stuff. That's crap. He helped he was always going to help Spielman here. Yeah. He helped a number of um Jews and Polish people and there are I think there's letters from him to his wife that where he's saying he's trying to save as many as he can. So it's actually a really 
you know, it's 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 touching on his side of the story as well. So he also shares a rare distinction. Same with uh, Oscar Schindler. He got the Righteous Among the Nations medal from the Jewish population. After all this, yeah, which speaks volumes, obviously. Yeah, but that is the end of the film. Yes, it is. Any last words? Oh, mate, I'll I'll take this one. I hadn't seen The Pianist in a very long time. This was my second watch of the film. And man, this this is deep. This is intense. This gets you in the feels. My initial log of this film was four stars. It's not four stars. I find Adrian Brody's performance portrayal of Vladik Spielman is pretty damn good. Like he is in 98% of this film and he brings it in every scene. You can see just the hope when you need to, the desperation, the sadness, the deflation, just just the the piano playing. Like, oh my God, like he's a pianist. This movie's about him and his love for piano and he does it so well. I don't really want to mention Roman Polanski, but his direction and the way he made this film is really, really good. I can see why out of those directors he won for best director, even though he's a piece of shit. I find it just so accurate. I love how accurate it is to the story and they don't glamorize it like it's all set in basically the town of warsaw you you don't venture out from there it is about this story of vladik spielman and although it is a long movie i never really felt the runtime with this film it is one of those films that is it is it is horrible to watch in that sense and i don't think i'm going to venture out and see it again on my own accord but that doesn't mean that this movie isn't great it is a it is an incredibly powerful and moving film with some great performances and great looking great direction it's a four and a half star film for me oh i thought you i thought you could have gone the five no you haven't no. said a single even remotely negative thing about this film i i, I did say it along the way but I, i'll mention it again now i feel like the the portion with Dorota and the and I guess the confusion with the other characters who I didn't really know who they were, what was going on at that point. There is a little bit of confusion along the way there. Okay, fair enough. Um, Well, for me, I, yeah, I love this film. It's, what what strikes me most is this is a World War II film, which I think it's pretty fair to say I prefer the the Holocaust World War II films to any other war mm-hmm. from a film perspective. But what what really strikes me is this: like you think you think of one of the other great war films, Saving Private Ryan, and what strikes you about that one is these huge action sets that really place you in the in the heart of these battles and whatnot. This movie is not about that at all. There is very little action. There are a few bombings and some explosions of various proximity to um, Spielman here, but really this is not an action film. This is a deep, depressing drama about the ability of the, the human spirit to survive and endure through absolute hell, through humiliation, all sorts of all sorts of torture, both physical and mental, are going on through the entire entire length of this film. Even just from the very basic start of Jews forbidden in a cafe in a park to the absolute extreme of you know, like if you are Jewish and found where Spielman is, you will be shot and killed without without question. The element of the piano to it, without doubt, does elevate it for me. The performance, I know we've said it many times, the performance of Adrian Brody is seriously one of the all-time greats for me. And again, bringing it back to this this German soldier at the end where you're not just demonizing, you know, the entire country of Germany and all its people. You're saying, you know what, there are some good people there. And I think that's really important. It was before and it still is. And amazing. Outstanding. For me. All right, then. Can't really disagree. Yeah, I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, four yeah. and a half, you don't need to disagree with me there, Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> I was the best because the crowd loved me. 
All right, mate, I assume this is going to be on the higher spectrum of your list. Where is it going to end up? All right, so this is the 43rd movie going onto our list today. And I'm going to, normally with a five-star film, I'll start from the lowest of my five stars. But, you know, I'm going to jump straight to up against my current number eight of Saving Private Ryan. Good, Good place to start. I think it is. And I feel that, you know, we talk about runtime before, and I didn't mention it in my final thoughts, but I did feel the runtime of The Pianist. Did you? And I wanted more. Ooh. Like, this is a film where I took notes for, so it increased the length. I actually paused it to have dinner at one point. It really took a long time for me to go start to finish, and I fucking loved every minute of it. Historically, when I have watched Saving Private Ryan, there has been points where I felt it drag and I felt the runtime. I'm going to put it above Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Next up, it's up against a very different film in Donnie Darko, and it's better for me than Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. Next up, my number six film, Kill Bill, Volume 1. That's where it's going to stop. Okay. The Pianist is my new number seven. Very good, sir. All right, Hendo, what about you? All right, let's take a look at the number 23 spot against Logan. And I can safely say that it is better than Logan. It is also better than It's Wonderful Life. It passes over Casino as well. It gets to Stand By Me, and I think it's better than that. And then we get to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I, yeah, okay, it's better than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I also agree with you, it's better than Donnie Darko. Then it hits Groundhog Day, and I think it's going to stop there. What number is Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day was number 17. 17, okay. So The Pianist is my new number 18. Very nice, can't complain about that. All right, Dean, it's time for our podcast shout-out. And this week, it's it's our good buddies, Dave and Jay from the Super Movie Bros. Yeah, those guys are hilarious. <laughs> they are. They they love their movies. They're basically like Dean and I. you got one who's just all about the superhero movies. you got Jay, who's the indie guy, loves his smaller movies. Mm. But, you know, they love drinking some beer. They love vulgar humor. That day on the show once for Pod V Pod. They're great guys. Definitely go out and check their show. We'll play their promo now, and we'll be back on the other side. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your other host, Super Movie Brother Jay. We're a show that talks about movies. Movies, talks about beers. I'm the guy that likes big Hollywood blockbusters, big explosions, big dicks, big tits just being thrown out there in your face. I love your comic book movies. I love your sci-fi movies. This is my co-host Jay. He's your more indie art house motherfucker. I'm the guy who likes small dicks, small tits, small independent films that you guys all have never heard of. But we come together to talk about movies and deliver you news on movies. We talk about trailers on movies. We give movie reviews. We're here to bring it all to you with big, hard, fucking cocks. And small cocks, too. There's there's Small cocks need love, too. But you can find us on iTunes, at Super Movie Brothers Podcast. Find us on Twitter, at Super Movie Pod. Check us out. Cheers. Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and my new favourite way of listening to the show, which is Podcoin. Now Dean, we both listen to a lot of podcasts podcast ourselves so how can we not love this new podcast app that literally pays you as you listen yeah podcoin have taken the next step in your listening experience by letting you earn podcoins gradually as you listen which you can then exchange for rewards like amazon gift cards or even let you donate to various charities sounds great to me mate you can download the podcast app right now on your iphone or android device and if you sign up using the code imdb journey you'll get 300 podcoin to get you started it's a great way to listen to our show and all the other amazing podcasts 
us out there too. Amazing. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash imdbjourney, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash imdbjourney, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterbox.com slash dino underscore j88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And like we've said, if you screenshot your review and DM us on Twitter or Facebook, we'll send you out some sweet merch. We've actually got a new review this week. And it's from former Pod V Potters, KT and Odie from the For Your Reference podcast. Nice. They say, Daniel and Dean are the mavericks of film podcasts. They've got it all. Ultra mega impressive film knowledge, delicious banter between two good mates, and the legendary Pod V Pod. Subscribe and listen now. Thanks a lot, Goose. Great reading there. Or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on our Top 250 list. Yeah, we've actually got over 50 episodes on there now. We've gone through some notable directors' filmographies, such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. That's right, there's also tons of other benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put up on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, we're back into our Mission Impossible series, and we're up to Ghost Protocol. Nice. It's been a well, I a guess hot minute. I, mean, I guess not that long. It's been a couple of years at least. So, and I, I honestly don't remember much except the big tower from this film. So, I'm keen to see what else is in there. Oh, I'm always keen for some Mission Impossible myself. We've also got a bonus episode that's coming out soon since we've met our next goal on Patreon, and it is Dean's pick. He picked four films of his that he personally loves, and the patrons got to choose which one they wanted us to break down, and they selected Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, most of you will know I am a, a big lover of Batman, so love getting into the old uh, animated aspect of Batman. Yes, you are. And, of course, it is our one-year anniversary over on Patreon, so we've got a special offer going on over there. Go out and check that out and see if that is uh, enticing for you absolutely so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in head on over to patreon.com slash imdb journey and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer all right mate it's time for we may still have mail 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 here it is and this could be it oh and it's the first time in a little while where our only review is from I mean, I guess there's not a lot of love out there for the pianist. Is that fair to say? I don't think that's it. I mean, 38 on the top 250 list. I mean, it's just not popular, I guess. But we're getting reviews for like the Seven Seal and not the pianist. I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway, back to Shane. Brother Shane, this film took me by surprise when I first saw it back when it was released. My knowledge of World War II was a bit more restricted back then. Schindler's List seemed to be the defining film for that piece of history, and so acclaimed it would never be surpassed. Now, it has been a long time since I've seen Schindler's List, but I'd seen it recently when I first saw The Pianist and thought The Pianist beats it hands down. I was surprised by many things in this movie. The fact that it added a new perspective to the war, that it spent more time in Poland rather than the camps. It just brought a more realistic and vivid depiction of the atrocities that took place. And they were certainly atrocities. I think the pianist hit me with more cold-blooded brutality than I was prepared for. That the violence takes place in the streets, often in broad daylight, really hits home. My favourite thing about the film was probably Adrian Brody and his character, watching the events that transpire from his hideaways like a man undercover in the trenches of hell. Powerful, essential viewing. Four and a half stars. Thanks, Shane. Great review. Thank you very much, Shane. All right, mate, let's get into... Answer my question! The question! 
Captain Jack! Where we asked you, what is your favorite Adrian Brody film? Now let's take a look at some responses that aren't our number one films each. Ryan Taylor says The Darjeeling Limited. Next up from Please Fuck Off About Got. I never thought I'd see and participate in a top list for Brody. Let's cut the crap. I'm going to say Predators. That's obvious. Last week's winner, Dave Examines Movies, says Grand Budapest Hotel. DuckSox815 says The Jacket. Have you seen The Jacket? I haven't. I saw it ages ago. Yeah. Jeffrey Care says Midnight in Paris. You like that movie, don't you? I do. Podcast HQ says The Village. I've not seen The Village. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. My Shyamalan movie stop at Signs and then come back at Split. Hmm. You must love Shyamalan then. He's not bad. His first three films. Well, I mean, 90% of what you've seen you've loved, haven't you? I didn't like Split or Glass. Ah, oh, I forgot about Glass. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen Barbato says, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Dudes, Ilya Sova says, Grand Budapest Hotel. Joel Winstead says, The Darjeeling Limited. Chemical Burn says, The Village. There's not too many films from Adrian Brody that are getting a, a mention here. Gianna Isabella says, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And the last one here on Twitter from Jessica Joy Newark, Angels in the Outfield. Heading over to our Facebook page from Ryan Utting, King Kong, or the Grand Budapest Hotel. And from Dipak Patel, Darjeeling Limited. And let's head over to our Patreon for our lovely, lovely patrons. Another digital citizen says the Thin Red Line. I've not seen that. I have. A while ago. Uh, ben Mulverhill says the Grand Budapest Hotel. Dan Brennick says Splice. First mention of that. First mention we've said. And lastly here from Chris Beardsell, Adrian Brody is a Cuba Gooding Jr. of the 2000s. One amazing Oscar-winning performance and then follows it up with a career of questionable choices. I'd say his best film is The Grand Budapest Hotel. Now, thank you very much, everyone, for putting in a response there. But, Dean, let's get to our top five Adrian Brody films. All right, mate, let's start off with you. As usual, what is your number five? All right, my number five is The Village. Okay, that's not on my list, obviously. My number five is... King Kong. My number four is Midnight in Paris. Well, my number four is The Darjeeling Limited. Hmm. My number three is a film I watched uh, this week and then realised I'd already seen it. It is Detachment. No, I haven't seen that one. My number three is Fantastic Mr. Fox. Ah, uh, yes. My number two, Grand Budapest Hotel. That is my number two as well. And we obviously both have the same number one. It is, of course, The Pianist. Obviously. But let's take a look at our competition. And it looks like we got roughly 13 people who guessed the pianist correctly. I must admit, I was expecting a landslide of pianists and they just did not come. God damn it. What? <laughs> I don't even know if you were prepared for that joke. Or oh, I was prepared. <laughs> Nah, all right, but let's throw all these names into the pile and do a little random number generator here. And we've got Joe Stevenson over on Twitter. Nice. So well done, Joe. We'll get in contact with you and we'll send you out some sweet, sweet merch. And for next week's question of the week, we uh, we do sometimes find it a bit hard to figure out what what, what theme, what question are we going to do here? So I've gone and found about 50 odd different categories we can go with here. Dean has not seen any of these. So we'll do a random, random drop on these questions coming up. So Dean, why don't you just tell me a number between one and 50? 17. Okay. Next week's question of the week is, oh boy, what is your favourite fashion film? What? Films about fashion. Films about fashion or that heavily feature fashion? About the same thing. Whatever. whatever what about films with sweet, sweet costumes but aren't about fashion no. per se? No. It has to be about fashion or related to fashion in some way. Fashion. What if the main character is just really like suave and loves nice suits? No. If it's not about fashion, it doesn't count. Does Die Hard count, though? Be honest. No. Hmm. This could be an interesting top five. Yes, it will. Okay. It'll be a top two. (laughs) We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? 
All right, mate, let's take a look at the results of the latest Pod v Pod movie draft against Daniel from the Aussie Nerds in films with the character of death. Now, Daniel was team one, and he had the Hogfather. What? <laughs> the Phantom Carriage, Death Takes a Holiday, Hellboy 2, and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. And we had the good list of last action hero, Bill and Ted's bogus journey, The Frighteners, Monty Python's Meaning of Life, and Scrooged. All right, let's take a look at some responses here. First one here from our very recent winner, Joe Stevenson. IMDb Journey, easy. Last action hero, arguably Arnie's most underrated film. The Frighteners is amazing, Monty Python, Bill Murray, and Bill and Ted 2. From Louis Rehm, the Aussie nerds is better. Death is more of a serious character out for blood. IMDb Journey is too comedic, out to tease and torment, but not necessarily kill. Is he talking about our teams or us? <laughs> Here's one from Action Fan 555 The IMDb Journey. The Frighteners is my favourite Peter Jackson film. Last Action Hero is incredibly underrated. Scrooge was decent, and I don't mind Bill and Ted too. For your reference podcast, says IMDb Journey from Monty Python. Here's one from 143 Last Action Hero is probably the worst movie ever. This whole lineup is trash. <laughs> jeez, jeez. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Julio the Contrarian says, IMDb Journey gets my vote, despite how little I care for Last Action Hero. Meaning of Life alone wins it, I think. And the last one here from Trivial Theatre. Gotta go Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. The scenes with death still make me chuckle after a ton of views. I'm assuming that's a vote for us. Thank you very much everyone for putting in a response there, but let's take a look at the results. And 59% goes to us. We win. Which luckily puts it at a 1-1-1 tie for good, us. Good, good. Yes, so thank you Daniel for coming on and giving us a good battle. Uh, hopefully for Pod V Pod 26, we'll do better. Now in saying that... <laughs> Saying that, we're going to do something different for our next Pod V Pod, aren't we, Hendo? Yes, Pod V Pod 26 is going on a a hiatus. Because, yeah, like Dean said, we've got a little special treat coming for you in the next two weeks. We're going to have our first in-house guest. And boy, is it a cracker. It is a cracker indeed. So, I'm not sure. Are we just teasing it now, Hendo? Oh, no. I am having myself a Jeffrey sandwich here. (laughs) I I am going to be wedged in between Dean himself and, of course, Brother Shane. He's coming into the studio to battle Dean in our first instalment of Bro v Bro. Yes, it's very exciting. I can't wait to uh, get Shane in the studio and, uh, yeah, have a bit of fun. It should be a great time. I can't wait to see what the old Quizmaster Hendo cooks up for us. I've got some delicious treats coming. I love delicious treats. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! Dan, it's time to find out the results of the grand final in our best 1980s film tournament. And, of course, it was the number one seed, The Empire Strikes Back, against the number three seed, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, at almost 200 votes, we had Raiders of the Lost Ark at 36%, (laughs) and The Empire Strikes Back at 64%. So we have a double Star Wars decade-winning film situation happening where we had A New Hope take out the 70s and now Empire Strikes Back take out the 80s. I'm not sure I was prepared for how much love Star Wars has out there. I know. It's. I thought we were going to get something else here. But listen, it was the number one seed for a reason, apparently. I mean, is Phantom Menace going to be the 90s? It first has to be on the top 250 list. Ah, 
Oops. Uh, speaking of the 90s, we'll have that tournament starting up next week because we're going to take a quick break from that. But we do have our Steven Spielberg tournament going on on our daily Twitter polls. And we're still in the first round of 32, but I believe, Dean, you're up by one point. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think uh, you had Catch Me If You Can and I picked War of the Worlds. and Shit yeah, decision, Hendo. It turned out to be. But we do have a couple of different uh, changes along the way here. But before we finish this, since I won the 1980s film tournament, we've got a movie to give you. And considering this was an 80s film tournament, I'm going to give you an 80s film. It's a film that you gave me to watch a little while ago because I think it's time for you now to do the right thing. Ah, nice. Do the right thing. Yeah, no, you were uh, you were quite positive about it. So. I was. Good. No, can't argue with that. Fantastic. So, what's next? All right, it is my turn for the movie we're going to be breaking down in the next fortnight. Now, I don't think this has much to do with The Pianist. I'm going recent. I'm going a film from 2015. I'm going good, hard action. Balls to the wall. Let's have some fun. We're going to get into some Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, what a day. What a lovely day. Oh, yeah. Let's really? do it. Really? Yeah, let's you, do it. We should watch the black and white one. You can watch the black and white one if you I want. I will not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Mad Max. I've seen it once. I've seen it twice. Let's have some fun, Dean. Let's do it. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, as we mentioned, it's Bro v. Bro. Get it re- is. Get excited. Get ready for some double Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling like there's going to be a lot of... Uh, yeah, a lot of Jeffrey jokes from you. I'm going to start writing them all down right now. But aside from that, we'll also be talking about what else I've been watching. I did catch up on the new Godzilla or Godzilla film. Godzilla. Have you seen anything, mate? Started watching The Boys. That's not what we'll be talking about. I, I'm just talking to you. I started watching The Boys, which is quite good. Okay. Oh, we'll have our bonus episode out this Monday coming up on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's finally here in Australia. Holy shit. How long have we been waiting for this? Get excited. I can't wait. In a few days, I'll be seeing it. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very pumped. Fantastic. So thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this episode. And we will see you next week for Bro v. Bro. Bye. Bye.